welcome to another episode of Once Upon a Nightmare. As always, I am your host Lorraine, and this week I am going back to a time before I was even born. It's a movie about zombies. I don't think I've done that much about zombies. If I've done any, I need to go back and look. But for this, I am going all the way back to 1968. This is Night of the Living Dead. Welcome to a night of total terror. Haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. The Living Dead is known as the first zombie film, although it does actually date back to 1932. That was a film directed by a Victor Halperin, and it stars well-known actor Bella Lugosi, and that was called White Zombie. You may have heard of the, the name Rob Zombie. Uh, he had a band called White Zombie, and uh, apparently that's where he's got it from. And he also has gone on to be a big horror director, which probably most of you know. I had never seen White Zombie, but most people do tend to think of Night of the Living Dead as the first real zombie film. But there were uh, a few in between White Zombie and, of course, this. Night of the Living Dead was, of course, directed by George A. Romero, and the screenplay was written by John Russo and Romero. It's an 18 and runs for an hour and 36 minutes. It had a budget of $114,000 and made $30 million, so it did pretty well and is definitely up there as one of the highest earning independent films. But Romero was only about 28 at the time of this film, and he mustn't have been in the know about how the money worked once the film was released and what he'd be entitled to. And he didn't actually make much money. The distributors actually walked away with a pretty penny, leaving him with very little. Now I know what you're all wondering is this film based on true events? Well, let me tell you what I found on the old interwebs. According to the History Channel, it is said that zombie folklore has been around for centuries in Haiti, but is said to have originated in the 17th century when West African slaves were taken to Haiti to work on the sugar cane plantations. The conditions were said to be so brutal that they dreamt of freedom, but it was said that the life, or rather the afterlife of the zombie, represents the horrific plight of slavery. There have also been reports that there have been several cases of people becoming zombies, and this is due, due to the Haitian voodoo culture. Now, apparently, there is a practice known as boker. I'd never heard of it before. I only found out this when I looked at this. And it's this some form of magic that they use to revive a person. They give him a potion that would make him appear dead, they get buried, then the Boca person would dig them up and get them to do like their evil bidding for them. That all sounds a bit weird and it kind of just sounds a bit more like they've drugged someone like really hard and this person has passed out really hard and when they wake up they're so fucked they do whatever. I don't know. 
but that's apparently what real life zombies are. Sounds a bit far-fetched. But anyway, let's get on to the movie Fog Zombies. So Romero was uh, well known for his zombie films. When people think of zombie films, they go straight to him. I have seen the nickname for him as father of the zombie film. He has had quite a few films that end in the word dead. I have seen a few of them, but would definitely need uh, a rewatch. And I was thinking I could do with a good zombie session. I've been thinking about zombies a lot lately. That sounds really wrong, but watching zombie films. Unfortunately, though, Romero would pass away in 2017 at the age of only 77. And I saw pictures of him today and he looked like a really nice little sweet man. He's got such a nice face. But he may have gone, but we will always have his movies. And one such movie is the one I'm going to discuss. And that is, of course, as I've mentioned a million times, Night of the Living Dead. I have to say, I cannot remember if I actually saw this film before. I did definitely need a rewatch. I'm glad I picked it up. It was kind of a different kind of zombie watch. Although I don't recall them being referred to as zombies. And it is said that it's not mentioned once but they are known as flesh eaters and ghouls. I can't, I don't think I can say ghouls right. So yeah, and maybe that's why it doesn't sound scary because to me ghouls doesn't sound very scary and uh, it's like calling them little rascals. But no, they call them ghouls. So Night of the Living Dead <laughs> tells the tale of a group of people stranded in an abandoned house in the middle of nowhere. We have Ben, who is played by Dwayne Jones, and he, or was it Duan, Duan Jones, takes it upon himself to become like the leader of this house and try and stop uh, the rest of the occupants as he finds them from panicking. And, you know, uh, the zombies getting in, the house becomes surrounded. And one by one, though, there is a lot of arguing and people then start to die. So it's just about everyone trying to make it out of this house alive. So the film itself is actually shown fully in black and white, but don't let that put you off. I know sometimes people, they fear the black and white movie, but I'm here to tell you that they're great and that if you don't watch them, you're missing out. A, on this film, also All About Eve, anyone? One of my favourite movies. But he had to shoot it in black and white because he didn't have the money for colour. Zombie films for me as such, they're not really scary. They're more gross. And it's not so much the attack that scares me, it's the lead up, the worry you'll get caught because you know what is going to happen is going to be pretty brutal. And if there's a few of them, you know you're not going to get out of it. And once they start going in, you're fucked. So most films tend to show zombies as moving quite slow. You know, so you tend to think to yourself, when I'm watching a lot of these things, you know, because obviously we love a plot hole, we're like, why don't you just move faster? Why don't you just walk faster? if you can. And that's kind of what got me about this film. They could have easily made a run for it at one point because there wasn't even that many there. And, you know, well, most of them could have, maybe one of them couldn't, but, you know, I'll get that in a bit. But so when you do get caught by a zombie, well, in the films, um, you don't want to be eating your dinner. So watching someone getting eaten out, it can be pretty gross. There's like crap everywhere. And it's not exactly the slowest process in some cases. Well, most cases, you know, we usually see the person being bitten or and or ripped apart and there's lots of screaming. So there probably is some pain there, you know, a little twinge, one might say. And, you know, they really get in there when they are eating these people out. They are in there. The organs, though, they seem to be what they're really going for. They must have more nutrients in there for a well-rounded diet. 
So when they're dying out, that's what they would go for. They do get some skin, but they tend to just rip open and go straight in. And I think in this film, I read that obviously, you know, when people are in films with zombies, they have to look like they're eating people's parts. So what do they use? Whereas in this film, they used ham, ew, covered in chocolate, even more ew. And, you know, they joked about how gross it was because it is. And it made the cast quite ill. So they said that putting on makeup was a bit of a waste of time because they all looked pretty green anyway after eating all this delicious ham chocolatey food. Anyway, when it starts, there's this woman, Barbara, and she's played by a Judith O'Day. And she is there with her annoying brother, who is Johnny. He's played by Russell Strenner and they're in a cemetery. He's being a bit of a dick, you know, as brothers can be. He's winding her up. And in the background, we see this man. We don't really pay much attention and I think when watching this, you know, because of what we know about zombies, we're used to seeing zombies zombies move in a certain way. You know, we don't really pay attention. Just like it looks like there's some guy in the background. and But he heads over towards them and it turns out he's up to no good and he attacks them. Now, the brother cops it, but Barbara, she manages to get away. Now, she's a bit shouty, which is to be expected, but she makes a solid effort to run from this man. And we kind of think that she's going to be a bit of a badass because of the way she's getting away. But, you know, we're wrong. We're really wrong. She is by far the most annoying character and has absolutely, apart from a few minutes, no backbone whatsoever. So as she gets away, she finds this house. And when she gets in, she grabs a knife. Smart girl, straight away going for protection. So you kind of think to yourself, she's going to look after herself. The house that was actually used, funny enough, little side note, um, was about to be demolished, but the owner said they could use it, but they had to clean it up before they could use it, but they could do whatever they want with it. And as you see through the film, it does get smashed up a little bit, but it didn't matter. So back to the house. We're in the house and then eventually we meet Ben and we thank God for Ben. We like Ben. Ben has a shit together and Ben really can't be arsed with her shit or anyone else's for that matter. Although he can be a little bit aggressive at times, but to be fair to him, the situation they're in, Kind of has to be. He's trying to save her from getting eaten, keep her safe. And she, at this stage, has turned into a big pile of mush. There is nothing going on there. If you're expecting Carol from The Walking Dead, it isn't going to happen. When Barbara and Ben first meet, she won't answer any of his questions. He's trying to figure out who she is. Is this your house? Is the phone busy? Wondering can they get in the car and drive off? He even thinks, if we can, I'm going to see if there's any food to bring food with them. But she's just, meh. And he's all over that shit. He's so bloody organised. He's asking her what's happened. She can't answer. And then eventually she does start shouting at him. What's happened? <laughs> and it's an irritation. It's just a massive irritation. There are a couple of zombies outside at this port point, And there is a car there, which is what Ben was driving. But they start smashing it up. But I was like, how do they know to smash up the car so it will stop them from leaving? I didn't like this bit. The zombies in this movie were just a little bit too intelligent to be a zombie. They seem quite evil, like they're, you know, doing what they can to make life as difficult as they can. You know, get the people, kill them, get the food. Like, I'm more used to zombies not even knowing what a car is. It feels like it would be harder to outwit these zombies as they seem to know what to do to stop people. It doesn't seem like kind of like bumping into someone, you know, that you tend to just see zombies kind of like bump into them and uh, corner them and like you know it's lunchtime but you know these are quite pesky pesky little hobbits and I don't I don't like it they're up to no good anyway 
So while Ben is doing what he can to keep Barbara and himself alive, she's being all like, uh, that's all you ever get out of her. That's all you ever get. So Ben starts trying to protect them by he borders up the house. He finds what he can. He goes MacGyver on that shit. Anything he gets, he uses for protection. And also, Ben's getting really fed up with Barbara. He does try and be nice to her, but you can see that he really just needs her to cop the fuck on. He even slaps her at one point. Not that I agree with violence, but, you know, she starts losing her shit. We need to go get my brother. We need to go get my brother. Tries to leave the house and he's trying to save her. He's like, no, don't be a twat. So she slaps him. He slaps her back. Shouldn't have slapped him. Anyway, so while Barbara and Ben are in the house, um, at first you think they're alone. And it turns out there's a few more people there. They're in the basement. They've locked themselves in. So I'm going to introduce you to a gentleman who's known as Cooper. Actually, he's not a gentleman. He's an asshole. We don't like Cooper. He is the worst kind of person to be around as he wants to be right. He wants people to do what he needs them to do. And what everyone else wants doesn't matter. He is right. Cooper is Harry Cooper. He is played by a Carl Harmon. He is down in the basement with his wife, Helen, played by Marilyn Eastman, and their child, Karen, played by Kira Schoen. Also down there is Tom, played by Keith Wayne, and this apparently was his only film role. And he is there with Judy, played by Judith Ridley, and they're a couple too. I think they're a couple. They look like a couple. Yeah, they are. I liked this couple. They were nice. They were willing to help. Tom did what he could to help Ben. He believed in Ben. I guess he saw him as a way out. So, you know, what kind of happens a little bit later to these characters is quite sad because Judy was also really nice and sweet and helpful. She tried to comfort people. She tried to help with a little girl who was poorly. And, you know, they both played a role. They played a helpful role. You, you know, you were glad to have them there. Actually, Helen's okay too, the wife, but she didn't really do much. But she did, you know, you knew that she knew that her husband was an asshole. But she wanted help for her little girl because her little girl was poorly. But she was likable. She was likable. Tom is very much wanting to go along with Ben. But because he had been down in the basement, Cooper's not happy about this. And he thinks they should, you know, stay put. But Ben thinks they need to stay upstairs. It definitely turns into this whole dick measuring competition between them both. But I'm with Ben. You know, you may have a chance upstairs. If they get in, you know, you could fight them off. You might be able to run upstairs. But with these guys, if you're in the basement, you're stuck because there was nowhere, no way out. You know, so if they come upstairs and you're down there, you're not going anywhere. So for the most part, it's about making the house safe, arguing over who has the biggest dick and trying not to get eaten while Barbara falls apart. Tom and Ben decide to make a run for it to this truck and they want to put some petrol in it. And Judy, for some reason, decides to run out as well and get in the truck with them when she was asked to stay inside. Now, this this farmyard, for some reason, has a little petrol pump on it which I don't know, maybe that's a thing. But unfortunately, the truck catches fire and it explodes with them both in it. And this is like feed in time at the zoo for these ghouls. And um, they head to the car and they get some cooked human meat. And this is where we see some signs of gore. Well, it's just them kind of eating a hand and some intestines and stuff like that. But it's the gruesome bit. And that's one thing with this movie. It's not really overly gory that makes you turn away it's quite tame I mean the odd time you're like ew but that's that's really about it the scare is the waiting the wonder and also the use of music they really know how to heighten the whole atmosphere here with music and I find this is quite common in kind of older films more so than I find today I may be wrong but I notice it more in older films um it's very dramatic it's over the top and you know as we get more into the film Actually, quite quickly, 
you know, it does it. And it, it, the film also doesn't play out how you thought it would with regards to the characters. Like, like I said, the film begins with Barbara and, you know, you straight away think that she's the lead because she gets away. You think that she's the lead. She makes it to this house. We have a little bit of a backstory on her. They take time to kind of show us who she is. But Ben just shows up and we've got like no idea who Ben is. And it soon becomes his film. So this soon becomes Duan's film. He's the guy who's going to try and keep everyone alive. He's the hero of the group, the realistic one of the group, and he won't take anyone's bullshit. So you really get on board of what he's doing. But this film is 1968. And one thing people apparently weren't used to seeing in 1968 was a black man as the lead, but in a film that wasn't about race. Because when you watch this, maybe a little bit at the end, remind you of something I'll go to in it I'll talk about that in a bit but you know when Romero was casting for this role uh Duane come along and he he disliked him he thought he was great and he kind of rewrote the the role to suit him because he just basically was the best guy for the job it was nothing to do with the color of his skin which is the way it should be someone comes along I like you I like you you know uh, Duane himself has actually said that he was very much aware of it. Like he said in an interview back in 1987 that he was on his home one night from the film uh, with one of the extras, a girl called Betty. And he said that, you know, they were driving down in Pittsburgh and, you know, he became very aware that there were some teenagers behind him. And at first he thought it was people who had been around at filming and maybe just following back to get a picture or something like that. And then he realized that they were like strangers. He didn't recognize them at all. And but one of them had like a tire iron. And, you know, he kind of thought that was a bit ironic because obviously during the film, you see people, you know, see him with a tire iron and he's beating the shit out of the zombies and all that kind of stuff. So while, you know, I watch this and I don't really think about what he looks like, I'm obviously looking at it through my eyes today. And I hope if I was, you know, been around in 1968, I wouldn't have been a prick. But, you know, it shouldn't matter. But unfortunately, it did. And it unfortunately still does today. And, you know, the, the end is the bit that makes you realise like what happens to Ben, the way Ben is treated. And it's really quite brutal. But, you know, when you see him, you just see some bloke stuck in a house with a woman who's doing nothing to help herself. And then they're joined by a few more people. You know, one's a dick and he's just trying to, you know, fight for survival. You know, Ben has a lot against him because some of the people he's trying to help won't help him or help themselves. But he still tries. And to be honest, he could have made a run for it and he could have been gone. He could have gotten to that truck and drove off. And he would have stood a chance if he had probably done it by himself. But he didn't. He stayed behind and tried to help him. And that's what made him the hero of the film. And I don't think I didn't like the ending. I mean, it was a good ending, but I, I, I'll say it in a minute. Anyway, so obviously people are wondering what is going on. Why is this happening? And we do kind of get answers. And I feel like it was quite informative about what was happening and, you know, why people were eating other people. And I think in films nowadays, you you get a lot of secrets, don't you? It's all very secretive. And it felt like in this, they were giving you a lot of information, but kind of playing down their fuck up. It was more of a, <laughs> my bad, you know, this type of thing. And also we've got the reporters. So when the reporters speak, they're so dramatic, aren't they? They're so engaging. Like news today, I don't find it engaging. Everyone's kind of the same. They've got the same look on their face, whether they're talking about someone being murdered or a cat stuck up a tree. 
Whereas with this, you get all that, like, it's, it's almost a show. Like, the news is like a show. Whereas I don't feel it's like that this time. So, like, you're listening and maybe they make it sound worse than it is. But it's, it's obviously bad because, you know, they're zombies. So the reason is radiation from space. A satellite exploded on the way back to Earth from Venus. And this was the outcome. And they do give people tips. And they're like, look, if you see one of these things, this is how you kill them. The head, shoot them in the head, burn them or smash the shit out of their heads with a crowbar. You know, the usual. So apart from when Ben tries to help, you know, Tom get to the truck to get the fuel, we don't really see much um, fighting with the zombies because they're in the house most of the time. Most of this film is in the house. And like, you know, there's problems going outside, but there's also a lot of problems inside. So like there's no safety. And I think you tend to get that a lot, don't you? When things like this happen is everyone loses their shit. Everyone wants to be in charge. They don't listen to reason. They just listen to themselves. So as Ben is trying to get away, because obviously the truck's been blown up and he's trying to get back in, Cooper won't let him in. He's just looking at the door. He will not let him in. And he kicks it in. He busts in there. And uh, Ben's then trying to board her up and, you know, he doesn't only have to fight the ghouls, but he also has to worry about Cooper because Cooper's actually then trying to get a gun to shoot him. But when he gets hold of that gun, it's his own demise. So Cooper's now legged it back down the stairs. You know, he's tried to fight, um, he's tried to fight Ben. And, you know, I think the sad thing is here, it's kind of like the last 15 minutes is... Um, this is when it really does pick up its pace as well as after he's gone outside and he comes back in and Cooper's being a bigger asshole. He's trying to kill him and all this kind of shit. But, you know, with Ben, it's like all his efforts were a complete waste of time, you know, because he really did want, despite their behavior, to save them. And everyone dies. You know, the Cooper child does turn into um, a zombie and, you know, but they've said, like, they've said what's wrong with her, like, she's been bitten. So they obviously don't understand fully what that means. I mean, Ben perks up a little bit and he's like, oh, we don't know what these zombies have that could do something to her. And eventually, obviously, she does turn into one. And then, you know, she eats a bit of her dad. And, you know, again, she's very un-zombie-like. She kills her mother by stabbing her, like, over and over. She knows to go and get something to stab her, which is not what we're used to seeing. And... So the mum and dad are gone and it's just Barbara and Ben left. And she does, at this stage now, she finally does try to help. She tries to stop the zombies from coming in. But unfortunately, the strange thing is she then sees a zombie and this zombie is her brother. And obviously that makes her pause for a bit because, you know, she's a bit, ooh, what the fuck. And she gets dragged outside. So she's gone. And the, I can't, you don't see her being eaten, but... I, there's no way she could have survived that. There is no way. And Ben goes down to the basement. Oops, Cooper may have been right <laughs> to protect himself. And, you know, he sees Cooper has turned into a zombie. So he shoots him and then he has to shoot the mother. And um, he's just waiting down there. He's just waiting. And eventually, luckily, luckily for Ben, he hears... Um, he hears people, he hears dogs, he hears people and he's thinking, I'm saved, you know, and it's, it's so freaking bizarre. So he comes up and he doesn't, the police are outside and he ends up dying at the hands of police and it was obvious he wasn't a ghoul. You know, I don't get why, first of all, I don't get why he didn't shout and I'm not victim blaming here, 
Um, but, you know, he was alive when he come up. But they were really, really too quick to freaking shoot him. Like, if they could, like, because one of them turned around and actually said, you know, shoot him between the eyes. And I'm not being funny. If you could see someone to shoot them between the eyes, you can see them. So why would you, first of all, assume they were a ghoul? Like, why not shout? Is anyone there? Because he was also had a gun kind of up, you know? I don't think they were as... as you know, pesky as they were for grabbing stuff to hit things were. They weren't fucking shooting guns, like, do you know what I mean? So the whole setup of how they went and were, like, killing these things off, the way they set up this big operation to kill them and look for survivors, they didn't look too freaking hard for survivors because when they got to that house, you know, they they could have even, if they were worried that Ben had been bitten, they could have said to him, look, come out, we have to check you first. And, you know, because they don't change instantly, do they? And but they didn't. They they shot him in the head. But it's this next bit is what I was talking about with regards to that's when you're like, oh, race. So it's really uncomfortable is how this was shot. And that's when they go to get them because basically they're throwing all the dead onto fires to make sure they're dead, which fair enough. Um it, it will make sure they don't come back. But they go walking in. I hadn't seen any of these things all through the film, but when they go in for Ben, they've got fish hooks. And rather than kind of just like drag, drag him out, they start putting these fish hooks into him to pull him out. And it was so brutal. And it felt like it was more like a news report, like real life. Like the rest of the film is very much shot like a film. But after he's killed, well, murdered, he was murdered. It's it's photos, like these kind of grainy, gruesome photos. It was shot by shot of them taking him out and being in the house and putting the fish hooks in him and I didn't like that at all it kind of reminded me of a lynching almost do you know what I mean not almost it did and it was just it was a very bizarre ending to it I think I read I couldn't find the article I think he read I read that he said it would be good for him to like you know to die at the end for the film basically um obviously not in real life um but it was I don't know, just the way they did it, it was just really, like, very, you know, disturbing. But, you know, up until then, he was just this bloke playing the lead in the movie, playing playing the hero, you know, that we see in many films. But they, it got turned into this. And I really wanted Ben to survive. You know, he'd earned his spot in the film to survive. You know, some characters in the movie you don't care for, but you care for Ben in this film. And, you know... All he did in the end was for nothing. And then he was just tossed aside like a piece of garbage. And, you know, no one would get to hear about how brave he was and what he did for a bunch of strangers. So I would, you know, recommend watching this. And, you know, I'm definitely going to go and watch some more of his other stuff, have a rewatch and because I don't really remember any of it. But, you know, it's a very different um, zombie film to what I'm used to watching, you know, just especially to the way they moved and their intelligence, for use of a better word. But I did love the suspense of it all. You know, Romero does a great job of kind of keeping you on your toes. And I feel like the black and white with the music actually added to the suspense for me and the wonder of what was going to happen and the, you know, the tense moments. And it was done really well in all the right places. So that I really did enjoy. The zombies, uh, the zombies didn't scare me. You know, it was what was going to happen. 
And that's what I like. I'm very much a less is more with my horror films and I don't need the blood and guts. And it just gave you kind of, I think, the right amount of everything. But yeah, a great job with the black and white and the, you know, the, the, the suspense of it for me. So I, uh, that was a great job. And I'm glad I've watched it. And it's on, if you're in the UK, it's on BBC iPlayer. I never usually check BBC iPlayer or ITV or any of that kind of stuff because I have to do it online for films but it's it's on there so if you want to go and watch it to kind of recap then yeah check it out and let me know um let me know what you think and let me know did you want to slap barbara <laughs> anyway that is my little take on night of the living dead uh i'll be back next week and it's my 50th epi- 50th episode so ch- stay tuned for that i'm going to go for one that um i didn't like the first time i watched it when it came out about 20 years ago so i'm going to go in again going to go in again and see if my opinions changed So I would like to say, um, yeah, thanks for listening and go rate and review me on iTunes and Podchaser. I really appreciate that. And if you want any updates, um, you know, behind the scenes, you can go to Instagram as Once Upon a Nightmare Podcast, on Twitter as Nightmare Pod, on Facebook as Once Upon a Nightmare, or you can email me as Once Upon a Nightmare Pod at gmail.com. And I'd like to say thanks again for listening and I will chat to you soon. Bye. The Pod Breed Network is strictly for the small podcasts that are up and coming in the vast world of podcasting. Pod Breed is made up of many diverse podcasts coming together to achieve the same goal of being the best damn podcast network on the planet. Find out more at podbreed.com.